0: well here's a thought to ponder what a man can be he must be
1: do you love your work do you think it's possible well you're about to find out it's time for 48 days to the work you love with dan miller on the 48 days online radio show whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul this is the program for you now here's your host dan miller
0: Well, hi, yes, this is Dan, and you're listening to 48 Days Radio, where each week we take 48 minutes, dive into those real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Our sponsor today is Harry's Razors. Started my day off this morning. You know, last week I talked about, can you have facial hair? Had a lot of feedback to that. Uh, A lot of people wondering if that's really still a solid rule. We talked about that. Anyway, I start my day with Harry's razors. I encourage you to do the same. Here's what some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Can I still have a meaningful life after 65? Wow. Interesting question. How about this? Do entrepreneurs take these kinds of risks all the time? Can't wait to get to that one. I want to share some personal experiences about taking risk, how we frame risk as entrepreneurs. Someone has an offer here are 50 ways for artists to achieve their goals. Great testimonial coming up. And I feel like I'm on an abusive roller coaster with myself. How can I schedule interviews when I'm working full time? And then this one, how about this? I know I'm smart. I know I'm talented. I know I have so much I could do. Why do I continue to hold myself back? How do I get past this rut? That's all one question. Well, here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Abraham Maslow, one of the old greats in psychology, psychoanalysis. He said, a musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write, if he is to be ultimately at peace with himself, what a man can be, he must be. Now that relates to a whole lot of you who are considering things that you'd really like to do. And yet you feel trapped in things that you don't really like to do because you need to pay the mortgage and put groceries on the table. Boy, that's a tough place to be. That is a tough, tough. Place to be caught in that quandary well our quotation says if you're a musician you must make music if you're an artist you must paint whatever it is that you're feeling like you can do where your passion is you have to do that to ultimately be at peace with yourself i believe that a hundred percent i've seen too many stories confirm it both ways so we're going to encourage you to do that as we go through things today Hey, I want to share with you a little bit more about Harry's, and then we'll move into the questions. Well, you know I'm pretty particular about how I start my day. In fact, one of my most popular books is The Rudder of the Day, because I believe that first hour of the day sets the stage for what our day is going to be like. Part of my starting the day is grabbing that orange handle on my Harry's razor to get a clean, close shave. Now, I know some of you like stubble, and it's kind of cool to have a beard and all that. Boy, not me. I want to be Fresh, clean, shaven, ready to start the day. It makes me feel more confident and ready to go. Hey, we got a special offer right now. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades. They'll send you the popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, a five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel. All that's free when you sign up for a shave plan. Just pay shipping. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of 48 Days. Get a bottle of Harry's post-shave balm added to your order for free when you visit harrys.com slash 48 days. So go to harrys.com slash 48 days right now to claim your free trial set and post-shave balm. That's harrys.com slash 48 days. All right, we're now in November. You know that's an exciting time of the year for me because that's when I'm thinking about the next year. Now we're releasing this, this podcast is being released on November 11th, November 14th, Monday, November 14th. That's when it's 48 days before the beginning of the new year. And that's when I'm going to have all my goals clearly laid out for what I want 2017 to look like. And I encourage you to do the same. And I got some help for you if you need some help on that, but I encourage you to do that. Don't just drift into another year looking over your shoulder at what already happened and just let kind of fate take direction for you. Don't do that. Be in the driver's seat. If you've ever done it before. What an exciting process. Put yourself in the driver's seat. Go to 48days.com slash 2017, just 2017 and you'll get my free Goal Planning Worksheet. It'll help you work through how to define success in seven different areas of your life. I mean, I'm gonna read you some stories here about people who finally got with the program and did that and how it transformed their lives. But I really encourage you to do that. Now, here's the deal. A lot of you may kind of resist goals because you think, oh, I'm already too busy. You know, I can't add anything more to my plate. That's not what goal setting is all about. It's not about adding more. It's deciding what's important. And oftentimes it's eliminating a lot of things that aren't important. So you clean out your schedule by setting goals and simply deciding in advance what is important. It's a great time to reevaluate. If you're a board member, if you're on committees, you know, things that you've found yourself having to commit to weekly that you do, maybe even at work. You might've allowed things to get put on your plate and you realize it's really not a good fit. It needs to be delegated to somebody else. Now's the time to do that. Again, just go to 48days.com slash 2017. Work through that. I mean, I, that's, I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder, but I guarantee you, if you work through that now, you can set up the year for what you want it to be. Now, speaking of, cleaning out our schedule, about having margin in our lives. Sometimes people ask me, you know, about the level of activity, you know, am I working 80 hours a week? Well, I had an interesting conversation with my four-year-old granddaughter in my office a couple days ago. She came in here, she wanders in and out freely, and she asked me why I work so much. Well, because she relates me working with me being in my office if i'm reading a book or responding to emails or seeing, be doing something on a computer writing you know she really and i had an interesting conversation with her at four years old about how she frames it as work but a lot of times what i'm doing are just things that i really enjoy doing like reading or studying or writing those are just things that i enjoy so it's kind of a blurred line and certainly is for me, between work and play. So it's not like I'm having to do something I don't want to do, like I'm trying to figure out how I can stop this so that I can go play. But so we had an interesting conversation about that. But one of the things that I also do is I love Sundays. Now, growing up as a son of a pastor, I knew the reverence we which with we treated the Sabbath, My dad was a pastor, but unfortunately, we still had to get up early in the morning and milk those cows. We milked them Sunday morning before we went to church. We milked them Sunday night before we went back to church again. And of course, that practice is justified by the ox falling in the ditch. You can read more about that in your Bible, Luke 14, verse five, if you want. But, you know, even though it was work, it had to be done. But the rest of the day, we were were very specific about not doing things on the Sabbath, just not doing things. I I wasn't allowed to play ball, ride my bike, wash the car, you know, mow the yard, none of those things at all. I observed today that because we're not doing physical work, largely, people cram a whole lot of things in on Sunday and they justify that since they aren't getting paid for it, it must not really be work. Well, that's not the kind of idea that that's not the kind of concept that I have around the sabbath and even if we take a biblical perspective in the sabbath we tend to think well god worked six days and then he just he was so tired out he had to rest one just kind of that balance well that's certainly not a very mature theology probably god probably wasn't tired he could have kept going if he's god and also the six days well that's discussion for another time but The idea is that Sabbath was not just the absence of everything. It was another act of creation. And if you really look closer at that verse in Genesis, it says, on the seventh day, God finished God's work. Now, the ancient rabbis teach that on that seventh day, God created manuha, which is the Hebrew word for rest. But it's an act of creating tranquility, serenity, and peace. They go on and they talk about it It needs to be when you have happiness, stillness, harmony, a day that must be devoid of all anger. Those are things that we create. Those are things that don't just show up automatically because we aren't going to the office. So I encourage you to, as part of your goal setting, decide how you are going to observe the Sabbath. How are you going to create a day of tranquility, serenity, and peace? How are you going to create a day that must be devoid of all anger? That's the kind of Sabbath that I want to have. Hey, I hope you I hope you do as well. Well, let me uh, talk to you about my friends at friends at Pax Financial as well. Hey, if you know me, you know I love real estate. You know the stock market can be pretty difficult to understand and quite candidly frightening. That's why I want you to call my friends at Pax Financial Group. They want your money to grow, but they will only take risk to the degree you're comfortable. You can be conservative or you can be aggressive and you can use real estate or antique cars or Buffalo nickels if you want to. They'll help you create an individual plan to grow your wealth. I think you really enjoy working with PAX Financial Group. They have the heart of a teacher and don't have that Wall Street yuppity feel. Call PAX Financial Group at 210-881-5700 or visit their website at paxfinancialgroup.com. Now here's an additional gift for you. They have an e-book titled 10 Effective Strategies to Build a Money Legacy Within Your Grandchildren. It's really great. Just go to paxfinancialgroup.com slash 48 days. Again, to get your free ebook 10 Effective Strategies to Build a Money Legacy Within Your Grandchildren. paxfinancialgroup.com slash 48 days. Well, I want to go into our success stories here. This one comes from Chris Puckett. It says, Friday, I had the worst day at work ever. It wasn't because of clients, it wasn't because of the workload, and it wasn't because of the long hours that day. Nope. It was because I got stuck in a truck with two co-workers acting like 12-year-old boys, my foreman and his grown son. I won't go into detail, but it was disgusting, and I refused to work under these conditions any longer. With that, I made the decision to launch my mobile oil change service immediately. I can launch quickly because I've got all the tools, knowledge, and experience needed to get started with virtually no startup cost all I need now are customers. I have a plan for that. And it starts with going door to door to every business that has a car parked in front of it. My goal is to have two streams of income by June of next year, make my day job optional, not a requirement. I hired a coach because we can't always see the forest for the trees, as they say. I have grand visions. The coach's job is to help turn that vision into a feasible plan. And then he's got if you like to follow my story, you can go to the com. Well, congratulations, Chris. Golly, what a cool thing to just decide and know, have a clear idea. I mean, I love these kind of ideas that are specific. This is a very not a bricks and mortar business, but it's very physical, intentional kind of business that you do with tools. So it has very clear beginning and end. I like that. Mobile chain service. Years ago, I had it when I had an office in Brentwood, Tennessee, had a young guy knock on the door one day, walk in. He said, how would you like it if I picked up your dry cleaning and just took it and handled it for you so you wouldn't have to go, you know, haul it in in the rain, then decide what day was it you were supposed to go get it. I pick it up on Tuesday and bring, bring it back, clean, fresh, ready to go on Thursday or Thursday to Tuesday. I said, wow, that sounds really cool. Well, he did that. The first day... It, in the story, I got to be friends with him. Golly. Um, you know, we, we've been friends for many years now, but, uh, he had got, he got 76 customers that very first day. Name is Shane. Very first day he got 76 customers by just walking in and asking that simple question. Now the deal was in that example, it wasn't going to cost me any more. It was going to cost me exactly the same as if I had taken it to the dry cleaners. But now think about what dry cleaners are confronted with. Their biggest challenge is marketing. Their biggest challenge is getting people to walk in the front door with clothes. So they were given this young man. He had negotiated with them to get 40 percent of the price. So if getting a shirt clean cost a dollar and 60 cents, he's going to get 40 percent of that. So his profit came from the dry cleaner, not from an additional charge to the customer. because of that he got those 76 customers the first day turned that into a very very lucrative business so congratulations chris on doing that hey mobile oil change yeah that's a great idea love it okay this comes from jake who says i recently started a major transition that's been a long time coming i'll make this short and sweet i didn't grow up with much exposure to who jesus was i had a dramatic and traumatic experience During my middle school years, it sent me into a very dark place for nearly a decade. Jesus found me and began the process of rebuilding my life and career. That was in 1998. I had friends expose me to focus on the family, and I decided I wanted to work for them for all they were doing to help families thrive. I began a dozen years doing pest controls. Just a few weeks ago, I accepted a position with focus on the family. I'll be in the call center as the family help specialist. I'm very excited to get back to the ministry that helped so much. Uh, The confidence to even attempt this transition came from God, but primarily through the encouragement and wisdom of Dan Miller and the 48 days message. Thank you. Well, thanks for your note, Jake. Congratulations. What a great story. And that, you know, transition doesn't always take place immediately. It takes some time. But if you start seeds, of water, nurture those, get them going in the right direction, then you can see the fruit come as you described to get the job of your dreams. Awesome. Congratulations. All right. This says, this comes from, um, Lynn who says, thanks so much for your 48 days book podcast. You got a wisdom eight years ago during the great recession, your book helped me successfully restart a career after 16 years as a stay at home parent. This year, your book helped me again, find a job I love. I no longer dread Monday's. I appreciate your ministry very much. Wish you continued success and good health. Sincerely, Lynn from Jacksonville. Well, thank you, Lynn. Congratulations on again taking action. I can provide knowledge. Knowledge doesn't do anything to put you in a better place. It's your ability to understand and apply that can transform your life. So when you hear these stories, these are people who have taken knowledge, but then they move through to understanding and application as well. Now this, I got an audio testimonial here. It comes from... Andrew Hamilton. This is pretty mind-blowing. I want you to listen to this, especially if you are an artist or are in that creative space. I had a quotation. We dealt with that already. Talked about art. If you're an artist, you have to do art to be completely at peace with yourself. Here, this comes from an artist. Check out this story.
1: Hi, Dan. This is an artist success story. Six weeks ago, I heard your podcast and it intrigued me as an art professor and a Someone who teaches the business of art, I thought I would put what I teach into practice. And this is the results. I didn't have a gallery, so I used just my social media, and I was able to sell over $10,000 worth of art in drawings and paintings. I have two large art commissions worth $4,000. I have three private teaching gigs, one art consultation job, two workshops, and artist talk. I had an idea on Sunday and I used social media and I have 15 small art commissions at $100 each. All the artwork has been done with recycled and found material that I've had for over 20 years. So no money and no outlay. Oh, and today I'm going downtown, which is two hours away, to hang a show in my new gallery. So I have to thank you, Dan. It's been phenomenal. Quick six weeks. And this weekend I'll be writing... How I did that, I've got over 50 ways in which artists can achieve their goal. So thank you, Dan. This has been fantastic. If your students are interested, my email is hamiltonstudiogallery at hotmail.com, and I'd be happy to consult, and I'll have my book ready next week. Thanks so much, Dan. All the best, and thanks for what you do.
0: Holy moly. Did you get all that? that's phenomenal. Now here's an artist. And He just started doing things. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't write things down fast enough. You know, there was a $10,000 item, a $4,000 item, a $1,500 item, some other things that he didn't put dollar amounts with in six weeks that he's done just by taking action. Geez, I love that. Now you may want to go back and listen to that again. And he's got his email there and you can check out from his email, go to his Art studio as well, which I did. He's got beautiful work up. I checked it out a little bit. What a great example of taking action. You know, it reminds me I need to pick up an art piece from Debbie Dearman. You've heard me talk about her. She and her husband, Kirk, were um, worship songwriters. So they did that for years. You know, wrote songs like We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise, and then she lost her voice. I mean, physical challenge with her voice, lost her voice. Uh, Joanne, my wife was real instrumental in that process of helping Debbie figure out how to find a new voice. And she did that by starting art very quickly and got into a position where she was doing one person shows. She just did a thing on Facebook live just, just the last two weeks where every day at two o'clock she would go on, she would show a painting, tell a story about it and then offered for sale for a hundred dollars. Well, I bought one of those. just I was so intrigued with the idea. Um, I wanted to support her, but uh, and and she was selling them quickly. My gosh, I had to pull the trigger quickly on a particular day to get one. Got one of uh, angel holding a baby. but uh, I have yet to pick it up. Reminds me to do that, but yeah, we just got on there. So she was selling a painting at a hundred dollars every single day just by making it something unique. Think about the sense of urgency that is there in doing that. And her pieces were beautiful. She had so much response that she started pulling in other pieces as well. Well, you didn't get this one for 100, but here's one for 200, or here's one for 250. And I, so I have no idea how many she sold overall, but a great idea. But I love, love, love Andrew's story here about just getting in the game as an artist. I mean, to get in there and do the things that he's talking about, wow, as an artist. Do a gallery show. Do some things online using your social media. You know, put yourself out there as a tutor, as a coach. I mean all those things that he mentioned. And if you're an artist, you want to go back and listen to that and go through that. Well, I love these success stories. Send us yours. Be happy to include it here in an upcoming show. Just uh, send it to Ask at 48days.com. Easiest way to get it, get it in here. Let us know what you're doing to take action make your life better, especially as you move into this new year. I want to know what you've got planned and want to hear your success stories. And Andrew, by all means, let us know when you write this ebook or whatever you're going to do to create the story about what you did with these 50 ideas for artists to get in the game and to live out their dreams. We need to hear those and share those as well. All right, Justin says, I have a question in regard to you going into auto sales after graduating with a psychology degree. Doing auto sales is something I've always wanted to try, but I'm fearful of the huge demand put on auto sales people by the big industry dealers. So when you say that you did auto sales and you loved it, do you mean that you worked for an independent dealer? Or have you ever worked for a big company dealer? The reason I ask is because I'm an introvert. However, I do love meeting people and getting to know their needs and desires. I'm always a student and constantly learning how to improve my abilities, especially in sales at the same time I love making money and I love the feeling of victory after making a sale. So I guess my question would be do you think it would be better to like for someone like me to try working in auto sales for a small independent company or a large dealer? Thank you. I'll take my answer off the air. Ha ha. I've always been wanting to say that. All right. Well, thanks for your question, Justin. When I went into auto sales after having a degree in psychology, I was the only salesperson. I went I went into business with a friend of mine, uh, Jerry Hall. We've been made friends for 35 years now, I guess. But great guy that I met through our church. He was in the auto business. He was trying to hustle uh, both sides of the deal where he would buy, recondition, put them on the lot, be available, limited time there to meet people, to actually sell them. Had an older gentleman who was there kind of as a lot manager, just wiping down the cars, but he wasn't really in a position to sell them. So I joined Jerry. So I spent all my time on the lot. He went out and bought the cars, reconditioned them. I was the one that managed the sales. So it was, it was a very small operation. We usually had about 40 cars fronted, ready to go, right on Catella Avenue in Anaheim, California. So we had a lot of visibility, and those were really great years. So, no, I never have worked for a big car dealer. I, I would have a hard time selling new cars, frankly. I love selling used cars because you can't run up and down a street and just compare it five other places. Cause it's exactly the same thing. That's a tough market. I have no desire ever to sell new cars, but it was in finding, you know, I used to find these old Ford trucks, you know, like 53, 54 the back in those years, you know, man, we really rocked it. We had some big deals back then. And I would sell motorhomes, motorcycles. I mean, we dealt in a whole lot of things because they were one of a kind things. So I would encourage you to do that. Yeah. If you treat people well, you listen to them well, take care of their needs. You can do that as an introvert. I mean, you don't have to be talking to 300 people a day. You may talk to two or three people a day and make a very good living in selling cars. If you're in the right situation. Great question. Daniel asked a question after age 65, what then? Since I've been listening to your podcast and this morning about the audio version of 48 days, which I'm consuming. I know this is something I want to learn fully and teach as well. I never wanted the regular nine to five job, but made little steps to avoid it. I'm sure of my calling. and will pursue it passionately. My question is not about me, though. I'm nowhere near 65. I'm actually 39, but I have a father and father-in-law who are beyond that age. Observing and listening to them both, I concluded that neither of them had a plan for after age 65. They both have worked hard for many years to take care of their families and succeeded in that regard. But I believe there's so much more for them to be, to do and to have in life. And I want to see them have that too. Uh, My father is a self-employed bus driver and with age and competition, his income is gradually decreasing. A few years ago, I asked him if he could not drive anymore, what would he do for an income? And he had no answer for me. Neither did he have a plan. My father-in-law retired about two years ago. Income is not a problem for him, but he doesn't look like he's taking retirement well. A great friend of his retired a few years before and passed away two years after retiring, which I'm sure hit him hard. What would you say to them for them to realize that they're very much alive, can still contribute greatly to this community and the world? How would you spur them on to develop a plan for their lives even after 65? I feel drawn to seniors to help them in these years. But I want to start helping my father and father-in-law first. Let me know your thoughts, Daniel Collins. Well, Daniel, thank you, for your, um, thank you for your note, your heartfelt note, for your compassion about people that you care about. Here's the deal. Not knowing the particular situation, it's hard to know exactly what to recommend for your father and father-in-law. But the issue is when people retire, they're confronted with often three things. No money, no friends, no purpose. Now the combination of those is a killer. No money, no friends, no purpose. You need all three. This is one of those three legged stools. Again, you need all three. Uh, if you, but the, the, the biggest challenge is no purpose. There are people with money and friends, but if they don't have a reason to get up in the morning, what you're doing is you're telling your body to start shutting down. That's why we see people die two years after retirement even though they were were previously in great physical health. No purpose. You are telling your mind and your body, hey, it's over. And your organs start to shut down. I mean, we know that physiologically. So they've got to have a purpose. They've got to have something. If it's volunteering, you know, if it's having a little online business, if it's mowing the neighbor's yard, because, you know, she's a widow, I mean, they've got to have something that's a purpose. So help them define what would that be. So they have a week that's clearly identified with things that have meaning and purpose involved in them. That's the biggie. No friends and no money. You can take care of those. If somebody has a clear purpose, you can attract friends and you can attract money, but you need to have that combination of those. Craig says, Hey, I hope all is well. Thanks for all you do. I've written several articles that have been published by my city's local newspaper should I also post those same articles on other sites like LinkedIn, etc.? I know that on the search side, Google doesn't like the same word for word article published in multiple places when it comes to SEO, but I didn't know if that mattered in this case. Well, it does, although probably if something's on your local newspaper, it's not really going to be ranked very high in a Google search engine anyway. So it's probably not a big issue. But I repurpose content a ton. I mean, I can go back, we're in November of 2016. I can go back and look at all the blogs that I wrote in November of 2006, 10 years ago. And I do this a lot. And so I find an article and wow, I wanna rerun that. So I don't run it word for word the same, even after that period of time. I change the title. I go in and update things that are current to today, examples of something that I may have done in the last week. So I I tweak it a little bit, but not much. Now you, you can find tools out there. This is called spinning. It's called word spin. And, and there are tools that you can go. You can actually go to like article spinner dot I N and put in an article and it'll spin it. So it'll, it'll say, you know, you, you, you say in your original writing, you know, yesterday morning I got up, I saw the sun was up. And so I spent 30 minutes exercising. So you put it in a word spinner and it'll say, you know, recently on a sunny morning, and it'll go on like that. It'll take the same concepts, but just reword it so that Google doesn't recognize it as the same word for word article. So do that easy to do, tweak it a little bit, but really don't worry about repurposing content in multiple places because that's a, that's a good, that's a wise thing to do. All right. This comes from Ben and Melissa and, um, who says i have partly a success story to share? Mostly, it's a question. My husband Ben and I, so this is Melissa writing, are pushing forward in our entrepreneurial endeavors thanks to the inspiration from your podcast and others like Michael Hyatt and Dave Ramsey. Ben is working a lot because of the student loans that we're paying off, but he still managed to put a lot of time in this summer into completing a card game he designed. Woohoo! We have it for sale on a print-on-demand website, and I'm preparing the wholesale line sheet for retailers. The game is called Park Trails. We have a free print-it-yourself version available at Panter, com slash parktrails Unfortunately, have it available for wholesale. We need to price it at fifty percent of the recommended retail, which is not possible with the print-on-demand site at its current price of fourteen ninety-nine. Now, what Melissa does is go through here in order to get these printed on a large scale. It costs. Maybe three or four thousand dollars for five hundred to a thousand games. I don't want to spend that much money," she says, "because I'd rather see that go to our debt. We have about two more years left to go with sixty thousand dollars in debt. My gut and my husband say to send out the wholesale line sheet, get some orders in before we get the game printed on a large scale. We'd still have to front some money, but not as much. I guess I'm just curious. Now this is where it, this is a great question. Why I want to include it here. Melissa says, I guess I'm just curious if entrepreneurs take these kind of risks all the time. If we weren't in debt, I might risk it, but right now it just doesn't seem like the right time. But I wonder, is this what entrepreneurs do? Do they spend that kind of money before there's even been any sales or proof that it's a good idea? Thank you for advice and inspiration. The positivity, positivity that we get from listening to your podcast has helped us completely reshape how we see our future all right, Melissa, I'm going to pull out just one line here from your question. I don't want to spend that much money because I'd rather see that go to our debt. Oh my gosh. That tells me your mindset. That tells me you expect to spend the money and maybe not get it back. If you see the money as an investment, you ought to see that as taking a big chunk away from your debt. So the first thing is you have to have total confidence in this before you move ahead. Now, I'm going to encourage you. Yeah, do not order a large scale printing until you have 500 orders for 500 games or an email list of 10,000 people. No, entrepreneurs do not take the kind of risk that you're describing. Not a chance. But let me give you a couple examples of how I take risk that are related to this. So a few years ago, 48 Days to the Work You Love, the first version came out. My publisher put together a package where we had the hardback, the workbook, two audio CDs, all put together in a custom design box. So it was a cardboard box, Velco flap over, and it was designed specifically for Costco. So their initial order Opening order, they ordered sixty thousand. Now this was through a publisher, so I wasn't involved in that at all. So they ordered sixty thousand units and went on from there. You know, sold a whole lot of that, but it was packaged specifically for them. So it had now it retailed for forty nine dollars. So it retailed, let's just make it fifty dollars. Retailed for fifty bucks. Had the hardback in there, twenty one ninety nine. The workbook, twenty five ninety five. Two audio CDs, fourteen dollars. So sixty two dollars. But it sold as a package for forty nine dollars. But Costco, the way they do their promotions, they'll bring something in for like 90 days. I mean, that's just the way they do it. So when they finish their promotion, although they sold a ton of those, they return the remaining sets from all their stores. They get that agreement in advance. You know, it works great for them. They don't have leftover inventory. They don't have to do liquidations and closeouts. They return it back to the vendors. So my publisher panicked. They had 14,000 sets. that. And they said, golly, this is not something that will go in a bookstore because it's in a sealed box. It's not the kind of thing that people expect in bookstores. So we don't know what we're going to do with this. Now, keep in mind, this had the hardback in it and the workbook in it and audio CDs. All of those are very marketable. Those are components that we had for sale individually anyway. But they, because it was packaged that way, had a unique ISBN on it, they didn't know what to do with them. I negotiated to buy those at $4.35 each. So we've got a package that's a hot title, 40 Days of the Work you Love, that was selling in Costco for $49 yesterday. And now I'm able to buy those sets for $4.35. Yeah, I'll take those all day long. I bought 14,000 sets of those. That's sixty thousand dollars $60,900. I bought everything I could get my hands on. We had those things in storage units all over town I mean, everything. I had a credit line with my bank. So I didn't have that money sitting in the bank. I used a credit line, every single penny for that. Right after that, we had a Christmas special and sold that package in a box, the hardback, the workbook, audio CDs for $25. So it was half of what it had been selling for at Costco. $25. But now with what I had paid, that meant I was making clear profit, $20 and 65 cents on each sale. Now we already had about 80,000 people on our email list and we sold about 8,000 immediately that Christmas. We had, golly, we had neighbors, families, kids, everybody in assembly lines in our office, putting those things together, getting them mailed out. I remember it was really a fun time so we sold about 8,000 of those. So I had invested the $60,000, but in 90 days, we had already taken back in over $200,000 with a clear profit of $139,000. And the rest of them, I mean, I was blown away. I I was astounded that I was able to purchase those from my publisher at that kind of price. So the rest of them we sold over time and we finally cleared out every single one of them with a $10 closeout on that package before, right before the next revision of 48 days to the work you love was released. Now that's the kind of risk entrepreneurs take. Very planned out, very clear results in sight. So we're not talking about risk in the way that if I go to Las Vegas and I put the title to my Corvette down on a roll of the dice, that's risk. I don't have any control over the outcome. That's not what entrepreneurs do. So if you're going to print your game, you better have a real clear strategy for knowing you're going to sell 500 of those in the first week. Now, here's another example. I was on a radio show. This was Moody Radio out of Chicago. And they asked me, We were recording a show. They were going to be out of town. Melinda Schmidt and uh, Enid Illustria, who were then the host of Moody Midday Connection, were going to be out of town for a couple weeks. So we were pre-recording a couple shows because they knew I was an easy guest to be on there many times. And they asked me about, you know, is it possible for a woman to generate income from home while still being primary caregiver for her children? I said, Oh my gosh! You know, there's all kinds of ideas. Absolutely. I said, tell you what, you go to 48days.net and look for the yellow post-it note on Dan's 48 lower, no cost business ideas. We have 48 ideas there that'll get you started. I put that together, put it up before that radio show aired. And in the first three weeks after we had that up, we had, that was a free PDF, 48 lower, no cost business ideas. You can still get it free. If you're a member of 48days.net, it's in the free resources there. But in the first three weeks, we put that up as a PDF. It was downloaded over 90,000 times. What did that tell me? That told me this is a hot topic. 48 lower, no-cost business ideas, 90,000 times as a free PDF. Yeah, then we printed real books. Then we went and got, I think our initial order was 2,500. We ordered 2,500 as a nice printing break. At a cost of $2.65, which is pretty expensive, but we sell those for $20 each. Again, I already had the proof that this was a hot idea. Then we printed a small quantity, 2,500. Yeah. At a cost of $2.65. So what is that? That's 10,000 bucks. We sell those for $20. Yeah. I'll take that risk all day long. I mean, what I look for, I look for things where I can get a four to five times my cost, four to five times, anything you see on our site, you can be confident. I've got four or five times my actual cost in that. It's just the way we structure things. But then knowing that we have a pattern of selling something, sure, I can step up the ante, order more, get more printed or whatever. I've done that time and time again. Well, I hope that's helpful. Uh, Do entrepreneurs take risk? Yes but not the kind you're thinking, you know, it's not like jumping off the edge of a cliff without a net. No, not at all. Entrepreneurs are very, very calculated. They plan out. I mean, that's why I'm so careful. I mean, I'll spend, I I spend a lot of time working on my goals for the next year for 2017 so that it's not just a shot in the dark. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, I've got real careful plans for what we're going to do to make the things come into view that I want to have come into view or next year. So if you consider that risk, I think we need a new word. I, I think we need to eliminate that word risk because it means something to most people in a way that is not the way I view it at all. So I, I would say that I'm not a risk taker. Now, do I like to just jump out there and do things that haven't been done before? Yes, but you can be guaranteed that I've thought through and have a plan that gives me a pretty good shot of having it actually happen. Well, golly, I want to move on here, golly, just uh, just a couple more. Um, Liz says, I submitted a question a few months ago asking if it was too late for me. Have I missed the boat? Although I can't share a success story, I do feel like I'm on a more positive path. I've continued to fill my life with positivity, both through reading and listening to podcasts such as yours. I know that soon I'll reach my goals of financial independence and freedom from ever having to acquiesce to a boss again. My current dilemma is where I'm going to be successful. Um, my real love is in photography. I've taken my photography to the next level by adding canvas printing. I have a printer. My husband and I make the frames. I love being able to bring joy to people in this way. I've had a couple customers even cry when they saw the finished product. I think offering a quality con- custom canvas print is a great idea, but I'm just worried about growing big enough to support myself financially. Any ideas or suggestions to grow my business would be greatly appreciated and then she tells me a little bit about how they're doing these photos on canvas that's that's a great thing to do I mean, i love that joanne does a lot of jaclays where she takes an original we take it to a favorite place of ours here in town and then she gets prints of those on canvas uh, sometimes she even adds a little paint on the canvas when it comes back but they're textured it really looks like an original being a novice myself and looking at it i can't tell that it's not the original artwork but it's a print so doing that yeah that's a cool process i think you're on the right track in doing that uh, liz follows up then with uh, another uh, comment she's the one that had uh, these uh, lots of questions about her own lack of focus lack of confidence she says i feel like i'm on an abusive roller coaster with myself one day i'm absolutely sure of myself and the success that i will soon have the next day i'm full of doubts and depressed I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I should try. I sometimes think it's easier just to stay where I am, but I feel stuck. I hate my job right now. I struggle with deciding whether I should stay where I am and feel miserable, or try something new. It's so hard for me to sit here and write this because I think, how can I ever be successful if I can't even decide what I want to be successful at? How do I find what's truly going to make me happy and fulfilled? Wow, this is this ought to be this ought to be, uh, be uh, a. <laughs> discouragement poster or something. Liz, um, I know I'm smart. I know I'm talented. I know I have so much I could do. Why well, could continue to hold myself back? How do I get past this rut? I read about, I read about belief systems, how to change mine and let go of limiting beliefs. I listen to you. I listened to this Zig exact podcast, uh, with your son, Kevin. How long does it take to finally sink in? Is this normal? Wow. All right. Man, it pulls me down to read through that. Well, keep flooding your mind, Liz, with positive input. I mean, our minds are like gardens. If we let weeds get started, those weeds are going to multiply quickly and take over. But if we intentionally plant flowers, then we fertilize those. You know, pull up the weeds, water the flowers, trim and prune those, and they will multiply as well over time. So you're doing the right things. Don't lose momentum. Don't let yourself fall back down By letting these negative, discouraging, limiting beliefs creep in. It's an ongoing process. It's a daily process. When I've gone through the most difficult times in my life, you know, I've increased the number of hours that I spend every day listening or reading positive things, listening to or reading positive things. So I I do at least two hours a day where I'm doing that, where I'm listening Beating my brain full of positive things. I mean, make sure that you do that. Make sure that you continue doing that. And yeah, you can get on top and have the kind of life that you want. But with what you're doing through art, I mean, go back and listen to in the testimonial section that we had, listen to Andrew's testimony as an artist about the things that he has done. I mean, listen to that to encourage you. I mean, that ought to get you going. If nothing else does, do some of the things that he's done. Uh, listen to Debbie Dearman's story. Go to her site. and Look at what she's doing in terms of uh, how I sell the things online that she's been doing. I need to run by and pick up my piece of art from her that I purchased. Getting ready to go to lunch here in a little bit. I think I'll take my granddaughter with me. She's eager to go. We'll, we'll have the top down and go get lunch and pick up that art piece from Debbie. Well, I want to encourage you, if you are a musician... You must make music if you're an artist you must paint if you're a poet you must write in order to be ultimately at peace with yourself what a man can be he must be and that comes from our original quotation of abraham maslow so yeah you know we, we hear a lot of lip service to be your best self be all that you can be I mean, golly, even the army tells you that but you can do that no matter what it is that you are what situation you're in You want to be the very best version of yourself. Make sure that you're releasing those parts of yourself that you maybe have had hidden for a while. You may be swept under the carpet because somebody told you they weren't realistic or practical. Hey, pull those out. Experiment. As we go into the new year, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Don't burn the bridges, but try those new things. If they work, it can put you on a new path. If they don't, Keep trying find other things well hey this is always a delight check out and get your goal planner 48days.com slash 2017 check it out if you want to come to coaching with excellence talking to a lot of people about that right now seats are filling up coaching with excellence will help you get on that path have the success stories got some more i want to share next week what some of our coaches are doing in that arena anyway i encourage you Continue connecting with other people who are on the same path, who will lift you up, who will encourage you. People who, like you, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less.